0: Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for Friday. By Friday, I mean Tuesday. Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Um, a note to those following along is Bible reading app on our, um, excuse me, on the Bible reading portion of the City Church app, Uh, we will have a new rollout for you of um, continuing in Luke and then into Acts coming up. So I know today is the last one. Tomorrow, it says keep reading Luke. So tomorrow, if you happen to follow along in that app, um, I think it'd be a great idea to just go back through Luke um just take a look even at some of the chapter headings uh the section headings that you've been through and remember some of the things that you've meditated on or maybe go back through your journals your hear journals if you've been writing that down um and see what the lord has taught you up to this point in luke and then we will be back to finish luke um on uh Thursday April 1st uh but this is Tuesday it's the final listing uh that we have for you in um this section of the bible reading plan before the new one rolls out. So Luke 18, verse 31 through 43 is where where we will be today. Then Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on. And after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those in front told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. Instantly, he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And that is the word of the Lord from Luke 18. Here's the way that this passage hits me as we um, seek to highlight a verse. The two that really strike me are verse 41, where Jesus asked this man, what do you want me to do for you? And then also uh, earlier in the passage in that section just before that we read, uh, in verse 32, the Son of Man will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, and spit on. And then, of course, after they, after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. Um, The juxtaposition here of what Jesus is expecting to receive from men and what men are expecting to receive from Jesus is um, quite stark. Jesus is expecting to receive derision and mocking and insult and murder from men. The son of man. Expecting that from men. However, this blind man cries out to Jesus. And Jesus literally asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And so he tells us exactly what he expects from this son of David, from this king that has come, this Messiah. He says, Lord, I want to see. The exact opposite. The son of man expects to receive derision mocking and murder from men and it is the man that re- expects to receive his sight and thereby the restoration of life for him um, both restoration to the community that he's in and also um, you know if, if you were blind and then you could see that would be an entirely new life and indeed that is what Jesus gives us in his death And his resurrection. And note that Jesus says in verse 42, receive your sight, and then he says, your faith has saved you. Have you ever wondered in situations like this? Jesus has a few of them with people he heals. He not only heals them physically, but he also makes this reference to your faith has saved you. Um, There is a passage that we read uh, recently in Luke 17 in Luke that you may recall where um, Jesus tells um, it's the man who is lowered down through the roof, uh, uh, the paralytic, and he tells that man that his sins are forgiven. So there is this, um, as well as take up your mat and walk. So there's this strange sort of um, non-separation of the physical and the spiritual healing that that Jesus delves out that I think is just very foreign to us. Um, One is we have... The physical death of Jesus that um, actually provides for us, for him, a physical resurrection that represents, not only represents, but our spiritual death is wrapped up in that and our spiritual resurrection, which will eventually be a physical death and a physical resurrection for us. Um, In the um, Western sort of way of thinking, Western world, um, we often separate the physical from the spiritual and yet jesus is constantly do not constantly but often doing things like this providing a healing and he asks this man what do you want me to do for you and the the man does not say to jesus lord i want um uh lord what's most important to me is my spiritual healing uh lord what's most important for me is to get rid of my guilt lord what's most important for me is that you save me from my sin and and you know forget the physical part of me He's really honest, and he says, Lord, I want to see. But that faith, that faith in Jesus, even to heal him physically, is somehow connected to um, what he is going to do spiritually. He says instantly he could see, and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So you have this element of a person who definitely puts their trust in Jesus for their physical healing, then follows, which is what Jesus commands us to do, Um, But it is not, what we don't get here is sort of a moment of a spiritual conversation and then maybe some physical kind of added on. It is so murky and bled together. And it's the same thing that Jesus is talking about in those verses that we, that we read before. It is a, a very, um, you know, outward, historical, physical, you-can-touch-it fact, that he's going to be handed over to the Gentiles, spit on, and yet we know that his death and his resurrection is doing something spiritual, actually about our sin and uniting us to Christ. Um, That's what we're going to celebrate at Easter. Jesus' physical death and physical resurrection did something to us spiritually first, and then later we'll also do something to us physically. And now it comes down to verse 41 in faith. Verse 41 and 42. Jesus asked all of us, what do you want me to do for you? And the grace for Jesus to not put us through a gauntlet of, uh-uh-uh, you didn't answer that question right, or, oh, nope, you didn't pray that prayer right, or, oh, I don't know if you could really illustrate um, sort of how the Trinity is involved in this salvific moment. Uh, your theology is not up to par yet. Jesus, once again, takes small, simple faith of a man with a very real and present physical problem Lord, I want to see, and Jesus takes that small faith, just and, and He multiplies it, just like He did the bread and the fish. It's like He says, you know, uh, the kingdom of God, um, is you know like a small uh, seed that grows up into a giant tree. Um, there, there are so many entryways into Narnia, so many different ways that people come to walk and walk with and follow with Christ. And this, this, this reminds me today of, um, one, the many ways that he does that. And two, um, that the physical and the spiritual are not so separated out as sometimes I like to think that they are. What then, how then should we apply this text of scripture? Um, one way I think is I want to be ready and I want to help make others ready to answer that question. Um, in the many ways that Jesus would ask it to me, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you today? Um, you ever find that your prayers are um, filled with jargon? Um, that you that you pray about praying instead of actually asking Jesus to do something? Um, you know, Lord, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. You know, it's like, am I praying? And it, you know, sometimes I think it's jargon we picked up, but I also think there's kind of a self-protective way that we just don't want, we just don't want to ask for things. Um, Sometimes because it feels selfish and sometimes because we're just afraid that God might let us down and, and we're trying to protect God. Like, well, I don't want to be too specific about my ask because he, he might not come through and that might hurt my faith or might make God look bad but Jesus you know again reminds us ask you you do you do not have because you do not ask and here again is that simple question what do you want me to do for you ask for the moon and the man asked for a sight and Jesus graciously gives it an overflowing god listening to his children and giving out generously of his power and his healing and he cares about all of us the physical and the spiritual so be ready to answer that question. What is it today that you want jesus to do for you? Let's be silent now and pray A father that The answer for that question for me today is I want you to save people this easter Will you save people like you saved this blind man this Easter? In our city, but at our church. Through our worship gathering, through the relationships that people have. Jesus, as you, you know, sit here with me today. Asking Trevor, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to save people at City Church on Easter. And Father, all over the city and wherever people are listening to this podcast today, give them the courage to ask you and to honestly answer your question to us What do you want me to do for you? Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for caring for all of us, physical and spiritual. We are grateful. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. City Church, go and multiply the gospel.